0: Hello again, welcome back. This is Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com. I'm Mike Sazzle. We are part of the 24-7 Network. I say we because I'm joined by Chris Anderson, and we are going to try our best to smile and be more optimistic tonight. Excuse me, this morning, because West Virginia, first losing streak of the season, a surprising turnaround in the second half of this game went from up nine to losing by nine and yet maybe not at all surprising because of what's been going on lately and also across the entirety of the season some signs just stick to this team and you can see things coming and it really popped up the year again at the end chris fair assessment that surprising that this team continues to be plagued by these things but also not surprising because this team continues to be plagued by these things
1: I mean, if it's the same thing every single week, I I think we can't say it's surprising anymore. Um, I I kid you not, I don't mean to immediately go off on a tangent, but I was looking this up as we were talking. It was taking a minute because I I just kept going back and back and back and back. After West Virginia's 4 of 17 uh, performance from beyond the three-point line tonight, Their season average drops to 30.07%, which is the lowest three point shooting percentage for a West Virginia team ever. The three point line was instituted in college basketball in 1986, and West Virginia has not shot that bad ever. And this was the team declared before the season as the one that could shoot, had a multitude of shooters. All those woes from the last couple years were They are not, Mike. And that's just negative as I'm going to get tonight. I think, uh, you know, want to stay positive.
0: Yeah, I doubt that. And I'm going to press it because uh, four of 17, four is not a very high number. Is 17 too high of a number at this point?
1: Oh. Um.
0: I feel like they can't shoot, so maybe they shouldn't, but. There were times where Kansas had, and especially at the end of the game, but there were times where the game was in the balance and Kansas had like eight sneakers in the lane.
1: That's what I was about to say. I, I uh, On the surface, yeah, I if you can't shoot it, don't shoot it, but they don't have a choice because it's either you're going to shoot and miss from three or you're going to throw it and turn it over in the lane. And those are the, t- those are the two options for this offense right now.
0: We highlighted in between games, whether we spoke or we talked about, a changes that they might make. Huggins had mentioned that these were not the same guys, and you kind of wonder how long he would bang his head in the wall before he moved to the left or the right and found a softer space to bang his head against. Um, I only saw a few noticeable changes tonight. I'm curious, from far away in Richmond, the comforts of your home, what did you spot as far as changes, adjustments, differences, be it in his decisions or attitude, performance by the players?
1: I think the most obvious change, personnel-wise, was McCabe getting a little bit of a longer leash than he typically does. And for better or worse, uh, you know, he was the only one to make more than one three-point shot. Um, he had the offense moving a little bit, but he also had some egregious turnovers—four uh, throughout the game—which. Is not good. It's not the worst we've seen this year, but I feel like the manner in which they occurred is especially frustrating because at least three of those four, and possibly all four, I can't remember the fourth one off the top of my head, were of the one-handed, underhanded pass variety, and at least two of those three were on breakaways or were setting up for a layup or a dunk for a teammate and instead resulted in a turnover just killing an easy scoring opportunity when those were few and far between.
0: That is the big one. He finishes with 10 points in 26 minutes. Those are both big numbers for him. Only his second game out of 24 in double figures. You can fact check me on this, Chris, but 26 is either the most or the second most minutes he's played, I believe. Uh, adds five rebounds. We'll get to this, but no assists, four turnovers. He's minus seven, which is you know not great, but he played a lot tonight. Let's circle back to something I wrote during the week because people are talking about
2: this.
0: (laughs) In their previous four Big 12 losses, West Virginia was outscored by 10 points when he was on the floor. Um, Two and a half points a game. They were outscored by 33 points with him off the floor. Now, granted, he sat more minutes than he played, so one number is going to be larger than the other. Um, That's a pretty big goal, but also it's not that he's good, or he should be getting McBride's minutes. I don't think anybody's going to argue strongly either one of those points. I don't think he's bad, but I don't think he's as good as he expected to be. And he's not McBride. They're not better because he's out of the game. I think that's pretty clear, especially after tonight. I think we also have to look at him through the proper lenses. He's a limited player. He's small. He's laterally slow at times. He's not going to be able to stick with Devin Dotson. Um, he's not a terrific three-point shooter. He's better than 28%. He's 40% tonight, and he can create an offense, and he can move the ball. Again, he did enough tonight to hurt his plus-minus, but you saw Brandon Napper. You saw that at the end of the game, they had no point guard play for the final four-plus minutes where he was out, and they really struggled. I, I can't even have this conversation anymore. Um, I know he's not, again, good right now, but the team is not better without him. Is that clear?
1: It's pretty darn clear to me. I mean, we saw Napper come in, and all I could think about with Napper's minutes, it was it was two minutes in the first half and one minute inexplicably late in the game in a Bad crucial time. situation. Um, all I could think about was like a guy coming into work that wanted to be fired and doing everything he wrong he possibly could in order to get fired um he entered the game in the first half played two minutes and uh, turnover uh jacked up a wild shot that hit the backboard i think before it ever touched the rim jacked up another wild shot jacked up a third wild shot finally huggins pulls him out Uh, again i say finally but it only been two minutes and he gets benched. i'm certain that his night is done right there um and then like like i just said just inexplicably brought in at the under four timeout in the second half after sitting cold for what, an hour or so, and immediately jacks up a 35-footer three seconds into the possession that's not even close and is right back out of the game. Um, that That's your backup point guard right there. And then, you know, McBride was – his struggles continue. He's not been playing well the last handful of games. And then your other ball handler is Jermaine Haley, who I'm, I'm really trying not to get – you know, too too much of a recency bias here, but just putting all these little things together with him, I feel like this might have been his worst game at of the season, maybe or or close to it. I just feel like he had four turnovers, some bad passes, some poor shooting, two of six on the free throw line, one of five from the field. I think at least a dozen rebounds and passes hit his hands in the paint yeah and just inexplicably went off of his hands uh and, and Kansas would pick them up i uh, i those are your ball handlers haley napper haley horrendous tonight Napper I don't know what was going on mcbride we're on a five game stretch now where he struggled. I'm with you McCabe is not great right now, but he is better than the other options yeah again, you can.
0: You can argue this, but again, we're not arguing that he is the answer that he should be getting someone else's minutes who is better than him. We're arguing that everything says that they're better. They're not better because he's out of the game, and I think we saw that tonight, too. Stat for you, the three point guards, traditional point guards, McCabe, McBride, and Napper, and I hesitate to to say traditional maybe for any one of those three. Certainly for Napper and and McBride, uh, no assists, eight turnovers. That's not good. And Haley is, by and large, a a larger point guard. He moves the ball. He can do some things to get the ball in, uh, two and four. So your primary ball handlers, two assists, 12 turnovers. They finish at 19. Um, You can say what you'll about the post guys, you know, banging the ball off the floor or making silly passes. It starts and ends on the perimeter and the guard play of this team, shooting in a funk, passing in a funk. And I don't want to say it. This is how this team – does not make it out of the first weekend in the tournament because these guys could implode or could have a string of bad possessions, and you might play a savvy team that is veteran and can do some things to be continuous on offense, which is kind of what we saw from Kansas tonight too, but the more this team loses, the higher their seat is, the better their opponent is, and the more they endanger themselves um, because as we say this now, they're one bad day away from being 500 in the Big 12, which I can't even believe is the reality they're staring at right now.
1: Look at that first half. I think this is is maybe simultaneously what's so frustrating for people who watch this team and for Bob Huggins, but also what might be this kind of silver lining and hope for the future. That first half, West Virginia turned the ball over eight times, shot 35% from the field, 33% from three-point range, and was leading the number 3 team in the nation by 6 points. Like yeah, we're not even asking this team to be competent offensively in order to be you know to make the sweet 16 or compete in the Big 12. They don't even have to be competent to do that. They just have to be not historically horrendous. And that's what they were in the second half and that's what they've been at times this season, especially in these losses. If I had handed you this
0: box score Wednesday morning, and I said to you, Chris, this is how it's going to go: the number three team in the country is going to come to the Coliseum where West Virginia is thirteen and zero. They're going to make twenty baskets. They're going to shoot forty-four percent. They're going to make four threes and miss ten. West Virginia will only commit thirteen fouls. Will out-rebound a team with two big guys by eleven? You take that. I would. And you say, we're back, and we're going to go get Baylor. Mm. And it's because the offense is just rudderless at times. Um, There are times that it can't get out of its own way. I get that. But if you watch the final four-plus minutes from pretty much the point that McCabe subbed out, McCabe played the first 15-plus minutes of the second half without a break. Presumably, he was tired. He was also not reliable. But you bring in Napper. He plays himself out of it. You put McCabe or McBride back in. You're playing with McBride, Matthews, Haley, Osaboyan and Colbert for significant minutes. There is a good chance that none of them can score at this point right now, and there's a better chance that four of those guys are looking for somebody to do something, and the guy who had the ball, it seems to me that teams are pretty adamant about making McBride do something apart from go to his left. And every time that he did something to his left, he had guys jumping at him and blocking his shots and shutting him down, and Osaboyan spinning into the paint, pump fake, And they ate that up. And Matthews just kind of is hard to play right now. He's hard to watch, and it's hard to imagine him, you know, getting out of this and getting on track against a good opponent. And that's kind of your crunch time lineup there, too. And it just didn't work. And you're looking at a team that's looking for answers and just doesn't have a a way to supply him right now. Conversely, Kansas kind of had some experience in the floor there at the end. You know, Azubuke is a senior. Garrett's been around for a long time. Dotson's a very good player who's not that old. Uh, Isaiah Moss is a transfer from Iowa who played a lot of basketball there. And Ogbay is just a sophomore, but he played 40 minutes tonight and kind of knows how to fit in and do his thing there. And they fought and fought and fought and just kind of eventually wore down and overwhelmed West Virginia. Kind of an experience thing that really did take effect at the end.
1: I kind of want to go back on touch on something you, you mentioned just a minute ago about uh, is – are are, are, all, are these offensive woes part, part of the problem is that everybody's kind of one-dimensional? You mentioned it, that I mean, when McBride goes to his left, everybody's jumping on him because that's that's his thing. Go to the left, jump, pull up jumper. Uh, Gabe's move is to catch it at the top of the key, barrel into the lane, spin around, and try to lay it up off the glass. Uh, Derek Culver, look out for that left hook when he's going over his shoulder on that side, uh, always trying to spin over his right shoulder, going with the left hook. I feel like a lot of these guys really only have – when they are being tasked with you got a one-on-one and you need to win this one-on-one battle, they really only have one move. And a good scouting department for the other team is going to help shut that team down. I think that that is a big issue for this offense.
0: Yeah, you could hear – um you could hear the Kansas bench at times. I'm not sure what they were saying, but they were shouting out something when they were playing defense in the first half about pump fakes or about McBride trying to move and get to his spot. And he frequently does uh, ball fake pump fake or shuffle and get back to his spot where he wants to shoot from. And they were saying something to that effect. Um, Haley similarly loves to work the baseline, get his shoulders square at the basket and go up. And again, my perception was they were saying stuff like that in the first part of the game from the bench to the floor. And reminding him, this is what Haley's going to do. Um, and you're mentioning other people too. Uh, Culver's left handed, that's going to happen. Um, Matthews, I don't know what the book on him is right now, but um, you can kind of let him shoot McBride or McCabe. You can kind of let him shoot. They went away from that, but like they ducked under screens every time they did that. They weren't worried about him stepping back and hitting the three. Um, that could be a combination of struggles, but yeah, there, there's not a lot of cards in the deck they can pull right now, and that includes individuals too.
1: Is there anything positive you're taking from this game, other you know, other than my my comment earlier about, hey, look how they were only mildly incompetent in the first half and we're leading the number three team in the country?
0: I mean, they really only played three guys off the bench tonight. Um, Sherman played five minutes in the first half, was pretty bad. Didn't play. Napper doesn't really count, we think, because well, he counted, but like that's just three minutes. Route was really just in charge of getting to immediate timeout in the first half and couldn't do that. And that's that's not a game. That's just not a game route can play in. It's not. and granted, he can't throw the ball away like he did up top, but that's just not a game that really he can really play in. But you're talking you know, eight guys who played between 18 and 27, 28 minutes, so that's kind of a consolidation of minutes. I don't think that's necessarily going to change anytime soon, at least while they're in this funk, because honestly, among those guys, who was going to play well enough to earn more playing time? Is it Sherman who hasn't done it all year? Is it Napper who's struggling? Is it Route who just has days he can't do much and isn't expected to do a whole lot anyways? Is it McNeil? I don't think so. That's his third straight DMP. Um, I I do wonder if a change that we talked about that didn't didn't address, is he going to shorten things up until he at least sees what he wants, which maybe not because maybe he didn't see what he wanted tonight.
1: Yeah, I think McNeil will get one more shot. He mentioned, I don't know what he said in in the press conference with you guys, but on post-game radio said that McNeil did practice a little bit, but he just didn't feel comfortable with playing him today. So I think McNeil might get you know at least another opportunity or two before – You know, the the rotation tightens up because, again, McNeil's specialty is supposed to be shooting and uh, Huggins obviously needs shooting. So
0: Saturday at Baylor, the number one team in the country with a 22 game winning streak, West Virginia, back to back losses, road woes, well documented here. Handicap this for me, Chris. What's the point spread? I have an idea. What do you think it
1: is? Baylor by eight and a half. You're kidding me. You think it's a lot higher?
0: That's the exact number I have written down. (laughs) Perfect. I wondered about that. I just think that they're they're still going to get respect and they're they're bigger. They match up in certain areas, but um, I can see it being considerable. And I wonder where the action comes in and if it it widens or if it narrows.
1: I think you'll see some probably it go up a little bit because I think people – We'll look at this most recent game and look at West Virginia's struggles on the road and, and obviously everybody likes at least the the popular bet in Vegas is always on the favorite. So I think it'll it'll grow up to it might even get to double digits. Let's
0: wrap it up here. West Virginia leads for twenty nine minutes. And 34 seconds is outscored 35 to 19 in the second half, 26 to 8 in the final 13 31. Misses 11 of its final 12 shots. That's not going to get it done at home, on the road, on the moon against Kansas, against Fairmont State. And the first home loss of the season, the first losing streak. You're starting to pull these things. Um, you're starting to pull cards from the house right now and, and things that we're standing in that you can kind of lean on, you can't anymore. And you wonder. How much is different if they go 0-2 in this, what they call the season-defining stretch, and then how difficult are those games afterward? Because confidence, a crisis may be happening here. You have a young team that hasn't been through this, but also maybe hasn't been down like this, but doesn't know how to get back up. Defining stretch coming up in a bigger game Saturday than it has to be. But um, pretty much it for me, Chris. I'm kind of uh, trying to stay positive. I'm sure you have plenty of sunshine you can spread here, but I want to preview anything coming up today and in the near future.
1: Uh... Later this morning, I'll be going over the top 25 signees for West Virginia in school history. Uh, you know, kind of just looking back at at some of the guys that come through, I found it pretty interesting. You know, everybody there are a lot of people that like to dog the recruiting rankings. Um, I feel like a lot of people have proven that wrong with some research, with some programs. I've given it more of a WVU-centric look lately, talking about the, quote, teal-chip ratio that I discussed the other day. Yeah. Um, and then you go back and you look at these top 25 recruits, and... It's pretty darn good i mean outside of a couple academic casualties and a couple injuries you're talking about some of the best players to put on a mountaineer uniform in the last 20 years in that top 25 and about half of them or more than half of them being at least a multi-year starter at west virginia or somewhere else that they transferred um and that's pretty darn good success rate so i i think people enjoy reading that later today
0: Highly coincidental that you coined the teal chip ratio days before we hired the guy <laughs> who coined yeah. the blue chip ratio. So welcome, I, Bud Elliott. Hopefully we can talk to him at some soon. For me today, something this morning that I think you find interesting, exactly how much money and in what years will West Virginia make the money from IMG college
1: deal. Um, Mike, is that going to be another negative piece? Is this, is this a positive sunshine pumping piece that you're going to put out? It's not today. my...
0: It's not my story to tell. It's the number story to tell. But there are some explanations. There are huge differences between the contract previously and the contract. Now, there are some ways to explain it. It's, it's kind of it's numbers on paper. So it's not me spending it. But there are ways to explain why. On one hand, you could say that West Virginia will make $20 million less than previously
1: planned. I hope you said that with a smile, Mike.
0: Yes, and then speaking of that, we have Jermaine Haley with some really good post-game comments that we'll get up about uh, what's going on and what needs to go right in light of what's going wrong right now. But for this time, that is all. Next time will come sooner than you think for 24-7 Sports. I am Mike Pazazza.
1: And I'm Chris Anderson.
0: We'll talk to you later.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.